Good morning, ladies. I get to be your teacher this morning, which I'm really excited about, or facilitator, I should say. Um, and it was really fun sitting at the piano here, thinking back to one of the first times I ever led worship. It was, I was super, I was like Stephanie pregnant, okay? And um, I remember sitting there like, how do you play the piano like that for one thing? Um, and secondly, I didn't know what I was doing. I was so scared. I didn't know if I could sing and play the piano at the same time. I mean, the, the whole thing was terrifying. Um, and that was, that was 20 years ago. So the baby that was here is now in college and he's a sophomore and he's balding and he's a man. I mean, like, it's just weird. <laughs> so um, that was kind of a cool memory. Um, and it made me feel old all, the, all at the same time, grateful and old all at the same time. Um, if, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Laura Sher, and I serve as the pastor of spiritual formation here. Um, and so I get to do lots of fun things like lead worship and then talk with you all about topics like confidence and humility. So that's our topic this morning, this bridging the gap. You know, first of all, is there a gap between confidence and humility? Do we have to choose one or the other to be godly women? Um, and if there's not as big of a gap as we think, what does that look like in our lives to be women who are both confident and humble? And so um, Steph's going to hop up here. We're going to get us started with some conversation, lots of conversation this morning. Um, I don't love to hear myself talk for more than about 10 minutes, so um, we're going to mix it up quite a bit. We need to hear from you. Um, when we think of the words confidence and humility, first of all, I want us to notice that sometimes we have these like um, maybe extreme ideas of what they are or convoluted ideas of what they are um, or just kind of funny ideas of what confidence might look like or humility. So I pulled some pictures. Let's see what you think. Confidence, humility, right? <laughs> maybe? What are, what are thoughts that come, you guys can just shout them out. What are thoughts that come to your mind when you look at the picture on the left? Pride. Pride, Pride arrogance. Uh-huh. What's that? I, you love her? Or heart glasses? Yeah. Okay, here's what I thought. I sure wish I had those arms. <laughs> A little that, bit of jealousy. That's what confidence is, right? Jealousy. Yep, yeah. yep, yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, so then on the, on the other side here, on the right, what are thoughts that come to mind when you see that? Sadness. Humility. Okay. Shame, I heard. Shame. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Ready for the next one, Steph? Yes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. What are your thoughts when you see this one on the left? Prepared. That was a good one. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the angle that I'm at, but I just sit, like, the word that comes to my mind is, is tan. Tan. <laughs> like, really tan. <laughs> In order to be confident, you must have a tan. Yeah. I have no confidence then. That's why I went to Palm Springs this winter. Yep. <laughs> Uh, okay, so over here on the right, what are thoughts that come to your mind? Fear. Yeah. Fe Unknown. Unknown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. All right. Do you want to be her or her in your home? <laughs> okay. First of all, 
How many of you even know who this lady is on the right? Oh, good job. I, I had to admit last night that I didn't know who it was. Steph didn't know who she was. Is it Nick at Night that helps you young ladies know who that is? <laughs> is is that Nick at Night still a thing? Oh, I no, don't know. Is Nick at Night not know. a <laughs> I dated myself with Nick at Night? Really? I don't know. <laughs> okay, this is June Cleaver, a very old show where she was the perfect mother and wife and, you know, of course, meals on a tray, drink, could I get you some tea? Oh, the pearls, the everyday dressing in pearls and a dress, right? <laughs> While you clean the house, of course. Okay, so that's confident and that's yeah. humble. There you go. <laughs> done. Laura's teaching is done. Done. <laughs> okay, I, my last picture is when I think of like the quintessential humble woman, like in all of the universe, and the quintessential confident woman. Here's the two I came up with. Let's see how I did. Oh, sorry, wrong picture. Let's do that one. Did I do okay? Yeah. So if I'm truly humble, then I'm going to be like her. If I have all the confidence in the world, I might be like her. Yeah. Okay, I'm going back to Anne Hathaway because we have something to learn from Anne. The lesson is, once I have the right clothing, I will, I will be confident I'll be really good All at my you job. All need is a leopard print lined coat That's to right. be confident. That's and the and of, again the sunglasses. Yes. Yep. The right eye apparel. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, actually, let's talk about sometimes our ideas of what confidence and humility is supposed to look like. And uh, Stefan and I are going to get a conversation going that we want you to have at your tables. Um, and the question is, let me fast forward here. Uh, what does unhealthy humility look like for me when I'm either uh, misdefining it or I'm kind of acting out of a place of not probably true humility, but maybe fake humility? Um, and then what does unhealthy confidence look like for me? So we're going to share a little bit from our own lives um, to get you thinking. And then I would love for you to share a little bit at your tables. Um, so for me, unhealthy humility... One expression of that is that I'm really bad at taking a compliment. And I think there's two reasons that I know of. <laughs> there's probably others that I don't yet know of. One is I'm not good at receiving affirmation. Um, I'd rather talk about the things that I need to keep working at or, you know, I see some heads nodding. You understand what I'm saying? Um, the other reason I think is it's fake humility. Like if I don't accept your compliment, then you might think I'm really humble. Um, and that's actually quite fake. <laughs> so true confession, that's me. Steph, what about you? Yeah, on the second one, what does unhealthy confidence look like for me? When we, Laura and I were talking about this, the story that popped into my head was uh, I was speaking for something with our um, with some students here at the church, and uh, while I was speaking at this, there was also um, Steve Fowler was there, and Rob Basham was there, and Brian Candelo, all these people, if you don't know who those are, those are all people who are on our lead pastoral staff here and who are on our preaching team, so who preach for their job. And I'm here preaching and um, felt super insecure about that, but but gave the talk that I felt like God had given me. And afterwards, I felt really good about it. I felt like I had, I had said what God had asked me to say. I felt like I had 
Um, I had done what God had asked me to do, but then none of them said anything to me afterwards. And this is not to say that they're not encouraging people, they are. But in this case, none of them said anything to me. And so then I was just went into this, oh, I did horrible. I couldn't feel confident because I didn't receive that affirmation from people like that I felt like uh, I wanted it from. So I think a lot of the time, unhealthy confidence for me looks like needing affirmation from people in order to feel confident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. Uh, Steph, will you set us up for table talk? Yeah, so these same questions we're going to talk about around our tables. And if you are a regular attender at the gathering or any at any of our women's events, you know that our thing here is that you can always feel free to pass. If there is a question that feels like this is maybe a little bit too tender for me or I'm just not ready to go there, that's... That is totally fine, and there's no judgment. You can just say pass, and and that's that. So, um, and then same thing with if if you are somebody who who maybe really likes to talk and who uh, has a lot to say about this, just be aware that there's lots of people around your table, and we want to be able to hear from everybody. So, um, with that being said, just um, as you talk around your tables, let's look at these questions, and then we'll come back and talk about it some more. <laughs> Okay, your time is running out. <clears throat> All righty. So my journey with both of these words, I'm going to start with the word um, humility. Uh, I used to hate the word. It, it just t- terrified me, actually. Um, and I look back to, once again, one of the first times I was worship leading, and um, it was at a women's retreat, and Susan Garlinger was our uh, pastor of women's ministries. And I remember going into it just terrified that I wasn't going to be humble enough to lead others in worship. And I was also terrified to pray that God would make me humble. Because... I mean, you know what happens when you pray that prayer. And I, and I remember saying to Susan, I said, maybe God's going to have to like make me fall off the stage or do, just do something terribly embarrassing. But here's what happened that weekend is um, there was a moment that I still remember that I got so lost in worship that I actually forgot about myself for a couple minutes. Yeah, yay. It was so sweet. And then I thought, wait a minute. If that's what humility is, I want that. And that's when I started to be able to ask God for humility because I had the wrong definition of it. <laughs> I thought it meant to be humiliated and then you're going to learn. And um, it actually was to somehow be so lost in God that I'm not thinking about myself Uh, And so that kind of nurtured this craving for it in me. And I still have to fight off those wrong definitions and fearing that God's going to make me fall off a stage. But but being able to ask for it has been just so sweet. And then being able to taste it from time to time and go, oh, yeah, I recognize that. Yeah, a comment in the back. You were, how do you remember that? That was like... Oh, you know what? I'm learning to accept compliments. Thank you. (laughs) 
that's cool. Thanks for remembering that with me. So it's been a sweet journey. Um, my journey with the word confidence, um, I think I'm still kind of wrestling with my misconceptions about that word. Um, Steph and I were talking in the back just now, and I, in this last week I've been thinking about, I've gotten pretty good at mustering up confidence. So I, I kind of know how to, okay, I'm going to go speak, so I can do this, rah, rah, rah. Or I'm going to go you know, have a hard conversation, I can do this. Um, which is very much different from, from sitting with God quietly and saying, okay, God, what do you have for this moment or this day? Who do you say that I am? And there's just this quietness or peacefulness that's a totally different energy than I can do this. Um, and so just um, continuing to learn how to invite that kind of confidence into my life, um, that's kind of where I'm at on my journey. Uh, I would love to explore some scripture together and look at Christ and how he set the example for both humility and confidence for us. And so the first thing, um, will you grab on your tables, you have a sheet that on one side has Philippians 2, and grab a colored pencil. You can fight over which color is your favorite. You guys are way too nice. There wasn't any fighting that happened. <clears throat> As I read through this, uh, in some way, uh, capture the ideas or words here that communicate humility and capture the words that communicate confidence, um, whether it's you know a circle, an underline, however you want to do that. Um, and I'm going to just read slowly. Uh, so let's do this. Philippians 2, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. There's a gimme. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God... He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. <clears throat> For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. 
I'd love for you to just grab just one thing that jumped out to you in this reading. What grabbed your attention about either the humility or the confidence of Christ or both? Everything without complaining and arguing. Do you know why that grabbed your attention? Because mentally I lot. <laughs> I love that you just admitted that. That's awesome. I don't always spin that, but it's up there. That's so well said. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, but how many of you can relate to that? Mentally, oh good job, show of hands. Mentally I complain a lot. Thank you. What else jumped out at you? Don't be selfish. And anything else to say on that? You don't have to? Thanks for sharing. What jumped out at you about Christ? Who he is? What's that? I thought I heard something. Yeah. Obedience to God. Yeah, thank you. Jen. Um, verse 7, um, when it talks about he gave up his divine privileges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the way that confidence and humility go together in that he gave up his divine privileges, so he gave up, and be, but yet he was the son of God. <laughs> he is God. So those two together. What else? Yeah. So confidence in God himself, yeah, and what he's doing. Good, yeah. Uh, right at the end, shining like bright lights in a room full of prison prisoners. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. So um, I love this passage in that it shows us the humility and confidence of Christ, but it's also sandwiched with, first of all, you be humble like Christ, and at the end, and you will shine like bright lights. If we're being the wrong kind of humble, don't look at me, I'm nothing, we can't shine in the world. And so Jesus is calling us to be like him in both the humility and the 
I'm gonna shine like Jesus. That takes confidence, godly confidence. Thanks for catching that, good. Anything else before we keep going? Okay. Um, I'd like us to keep thinking about examples of Jesus. We're gonna start with his humility and then we'll move to his confidence. And now we're just thinking about the life of Jesus, what we know about him from the gospel accounts. And I started a list. I'd love to hear what you would add to the list. So when I think of the humility of Jesus, I think I remember that he loved the unlovely that took a humble posture for him to be able to do that. He hung out with the wrong crowd. So he laid aside his sense of self-image and what people think of him and who he's hanging out with. Thirdly, he washed feet. This always gets me, the picture of Jesus kneeling before his disciples and washing their dirty feet. And even Peter saying, no, you can't do this. Um, and one of the classes that I was in in college, I remember a professor showing us a picture of Jesus with a crown, a royal crown on his head, and he's kneeled like this, the king holding one of the disciples' feet, looking into their face, and he's below them, looking up into their face, washing their feet. That is the most, to me, perfect picture of the humble God of the universe who would wash my dirty feet. Fourth, as we head into Holy Week and remember that he didn't defend himself when he was accused, when he was beaten, when he was mocked. He knew in that moment what he had to do and he did not defend himself. And then lastly, he hung like a criminal even though he wasn't. <laughs> That takes the ultimate humility. Can you think of other examples that I haven't named in the life of Christ? How did he live out humility? Yeah. Yeah. So the physical touch of people, the nearness he would get with people that ordinarily you wouldn't, um, the love of kids, and I would say his love of women too, how he elevated women in a culture where that wasn't the norm, that takes humility. Yeah, so the feeding of the 5,000, he wanted to rest, but he met them, he laid aside his needs in the moment and took care of them. Yeah. Uh, right here? Yeah. Yeah. So when, when even his mom is asking him to do a miracle, and often people wanted him to do these spectacular things, he's like, nope, not yet. Mm-hmm. And how did he say it again? <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, in the back. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, his willingness to go everywhere, anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's all right. Yeah, thanks. Good. Uh, last one over here. True. Yeah, a humble profession. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. And, I mean, to think the God of the universe who could come and, and actually establish himself politically or career-wise and all of the things he chose to do that were actually lowly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we see both the confidence and the humility in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Let's keep going with more examples of the confidence of, of Jesus. And I would say these things. Um, <clears throat> first of all, he asked people to follow him. Come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. You're going to leave your normal life for whoever know, who knows how long. They didn't know how long, but for three years, you're going to leave and you're going to follow me. That takes incredible confidence. Um, he spoke with authority. Now, oftentimes we're noticing he didn't speak or he was quiet or he didn't defend himself, but when he knew he needed to speak, it was with authority. And then we mentioned that he healed people. I mean, that, that takes incredible confidence to touch somebody and say, be healed or you are healed. He told people what to do. We had that mentioned before. He's telling Peter what not to do. Um, he lived radically. He did not fit into the religious norms in most cases. Um, and then we talked about who he hung out with. That took quite a bit of confidence. And then uh, lastly, he claimed he was the son of God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ultimate confidence, right? Can you think of other things to add to this list? Yeah. That's right. Even as a child. Yeah. That's confidence. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was always truthful, no matter what. Yep. Even if it was hard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Val? Yeah. 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 Who does that? Who walks into the synagogue, says, I am the fulfillment of a prophecy in your scriptures. And by the way, here's what that prophecy says. I have been anointed <laughs> to heal, to bring the good news, to free captives. Okay. Yep. He wasn't intimidated by like the questions that the Pharisees gave him or like, right. and they were always 
Yeah. That's a good word, not intimidated by the questions that the Pharisees posed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that. Because wasn't he about 30 when he came, comes on the scene? And so what happened between, we just have that one little story of when he was a kid um, talking with the leaders. And so from 20 to 30, like what kind of an adult was he? What, what was he doing with his life? And how did he feel about that? And the confidence that that takes to wait for when the father says, now is the time. Yeah. That's good. So I want to I want to um, point to a couple of things I think um, allowed Jesus to be this kind of a person, this confidence and this humility. And I think whenever we're looking at Jesus, sometimes some of us go, "Well, that was Jesus. He's perfect. He's the Son of God." You know, and that's not me. But Philippians two, what does it say? We get to have the same attitude of, as Christ, or we must have the same attitude as Christ. We get to imitate him. So this is for us today. Um, first thing, I would say Jesus knew who he was. And we were, were already kind of talking about this, but let's think about um, that one of those first scenes in the gospels where he's baptized. And what does the father say? What do we hear from heaven spoken over him? This is my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus knew who he was. And you kind of mentioned that, you know, as we think about his early adulthood, he knew who he was, no doubt about. I am the son of the most high God. Here's the deal. We're in the same family. We have been born again, chosen and adopted by the father into this same family that Jesus belongs to. And so those are words over us too. This is my beloved daughter. That's who we are. And so we get to, I would say over and over again, ask God, who do you say that I am? I think this is a daily practice in some way going, okay, I need to hear from you, that voice from heaven, however that works in your life. Who am I, God? Remind me that I am your kid. I am your daughter. I am your chosen. I am created by you. And that is a source of great confidence and humility. Secondly, from that same scene, Jesus knew he was loved and that the Father was pleased with him. This is my beloved son, not just my son, my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Had Jesus done anything spectacular yet when those words were spoken? It was at the beginning of what we know about what he did as far as healing and teaching. Before he had done anything spectacular, the father was speaking over him. I love him and I'm pleased with him. And so we get to ask God to speak his love and pleasure over us. This produces great confidence and humility. Isn't that one of the sweetest moments when we can actually sense the love of God in some way on us, where once again we get to kind of step outside of our own sort of selfish, self-absorbed ways and just go, oh, I'm loved. Wow, that's a humbling 
moment. And so what I'd love to do today is practice this right now. Um, in the here and the now, rather than just talk about it. Um, you've got on the back of the page we just read, it says journal prompts. And I'm gonna give us some time on our own to ask these two questions. Part one, God, who do you say that I am? And God, what do you love about me? These are just simple prayer questions that we get to ask God. And you might hear something from him right away in this space, or you may want to take this home with you. But just ask God to remind you of who you are. And then would you ask him for some specific things that he loves about you? Does that make sense? I'm going to give us about five minutes of quiet. We'll have a little bit of music in the background, and then I'll come back up. Right, I'm gonna give <clears throat> opportunity for a little bit of share, more sharing. Um, and I just want to recognize that some of these prompts um, might be much for some of us. And once again, it's okay to pass or say, you know, I'm still thinking about that. Um, I'm gonna take this home with me. And there's also people in the room who are verbal processors and um, love to kind of speak things out. And so we get to have opportunity for both at tables. Um, so the prompts are, um, if you have a sense of who God says that you are today, um, it would be special to hear that around the table. Um, and then also, some of the things that God loves about me are, now, I know we're not really used to saying these kinds of things out loud, but I think it's actually an act of worship to say, huh, God made me well. <laughs> I am a creation of God. Kind of like we look at a flower and go, wow, God, you made that. It's beautiful. We don't have any trouble saying that. What about ourselves? And is it okay to speak out what he made that's good in us? So... If you're willing at your tables to share some of that, and then I will interrupt us in a couple minutes. Go for it. Thanks for sharing, ladies. I know that it can take quite a bit of courage to say nice things about ourselves to each other. Um, and I would encourage you in your friendships Ask each other from time to time, what does God like about you? Uh, a lot of times we talk about the stuff we're struggling with, and that's great. We need to. We need our friendships and those places to do that. But why don't we ask each other, hey, what's great about you? <laughs> what did God make about you that's pretty awesome? And prompt that in each other so that our humble confidence can grow. A couple more things I want to note about Jesus before we leave this morning. Um, I think also that uh, Jesus knew his purpose. And Val mentioned the Isaiah 61 passage. He had the confidence to read, this is me. I am the one who's been anointed to free captives and to save the world. I know why I'm here. And so I think we get to ask God questions like, why did you make me this way? What are the unique skills, passions, personality traits that you have given me so that I can carry out your purpose for my life? A sense of purpose from God gives us both confidence and humility. And then lastly, Jesus knew who was leading him. 
The phrase, I only do what my father tells me to do. Great confidence in what the father was telling him to do and great humility as he carried it out. And here's the deal. The way that Jesus knew what the father was telling him to do is that he listened regularly. Throughout the gospels, it says, Jesus went away in the morning, in the evening. He sometimes left the crowds that are pursuing him who needed him and wanted him. He would go away because he knew he needed to be with the father to rest, to listen, and to only do what the father told him to do. Jesus knew who was leading him. And so we get to ask God to be our leader. The question, God, how can you guide me into both confidence and humility? We get to ask these questions. So I'm gonna give us just a couple more minutes. Uh, Once again, these are take-homes as well, but you have two more journal questions. It's part two, the bottom half of your page. And it's these two questions that you saw on screen. I'll give us just a couple minutes. There might be one of those questions in particular that you wanna spend time with, and then I will call us back together.